I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on jackalope radio hey everybody and welcome to this infected episode of the fangirl radio show i'm your host jessica dwyer and with me is my lovely and talented co-host mr eric smith hello yes we are infected infected with cooties (laughs) cooties i am so excited i can't wait for you guys to hear this interview um we actually have a infected duo um that you're going to be hearing from um this week it's going to be lee winnell who is amazingly awesome and australian and adorable and very very talented and um, i had a blast talking to him and uh, you can actually catch um, our coverage of cooties i i wrote a massive article about the film in the next issue of horror hound that's coming out um by the end of the month of june i believe it'll be out on stands um and then next week, uh, our part two of our infected verse is going to be Elijah Wood. It's going to be awesome. Elijah Wood. We got, Yay. got Frodo. Um, <laughs> but yes, uh, Cooties, I got to see the movie um, actually way early. It's not out yet. It will be out later this summer. Um, but uh, I am very, very excited to be sharing this guys with these guys with you. Um, it was an excellent movie. It's a brilliant throwback flick. You're going to love it, and you really should watch it when it comes out. Um, and, uh, yeah, you're, if, you've, if you're a fan of movies like Critters and uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space and films like that, those, and Shaun of the Dead, you owe it to yourself. Well, the, the first thing that came to, mind, uh, to my mind from the trailers and such is Slither. So, also, Slither. It's it's very much. It could be in the same universe as Slither. It actually kind of looks like Slither too. You know how Slither had that kind of throwback look to it. Mm-hmm. It's it's totally like that. Yeah. It's so good. So, I love that kind of stuff. Oh God, you're gonna you will die. And 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 just uh, as you'll hear, I have a complete and utter love for Lee Wanell's character. I think he steals the movie. Which is hilarious because he wrote the film too, and I think he did that on purpose. <laughs> Shocking! I don't, but you you know when you out funny Rain Wilson, you're funny. When you can out funny Dwight, you're funny. <laughs> so, um, and speaking of funny, and uh, we're gonna go right into the weekend geek here because I am I am in love with this new show that just came on Hulu. Um, and if you have not seen it, all three seasons are up on Hulu right now. They've just recently got added. And it's a series from Canada um, called Tiny Plastic Men. <laughs> and it's if you love the IT crowd, if you love, um, especially the IT crowd, I got a total IT crowd vibe from it. But if you love Kids in the Hall, the IT crowd, and you wanted to see the bastard offspring of those two films mixed with, or those two series mixed with, um, uh, Code Monkeys, then this is the show for you. If you love those at all, this is the show for you. And I have to tell you, I'm, I am I loved Mark Mir from already, but watching him as a creepy goth guy and all these characters he plays in this. <laughs> his name's October, too. That's the best part is his name's October. Nice. He is a complete just adorable just creepy goth. And it's so good. And it's hard to, to, to really describe it. But 
um, it, it's set in this fictional toy company, and these three guys are the toy testers. They're, this is where that whole IT crowd vibe comes in, where you have the two normal guys, sort of normal guys, and then you have the goth. Um, mm-hmm. And they go through all this wacky weirdness and, and things. Like, there's one called Death Car. Uh, Death Car is this, I guess it's possessed sentient car toy that has <laughs> knives and ammonia spray that can blind you and will kill everyone it's it's just so nice. just it's just so weird <laughs> it's awesomely weird and you'll totally love it um and it's on hulu now you can just I, i'm like mainlining all three seasons um but it's called tiny plastic men and um if you don't know who mark Meir is mark Meir is the voice of commander shepherd the male version in mass effect and he does a lot of video game voices. And also for horror fans out there, there's like cro- there's like cameo things that go on um, in the, I think it was the first season, maybe, um, Lloyd Kaufman shows up. And so does Toxie. And there's this whole musical nice. number with the Toxic Avenger. It, it's just, <laughs> it's so good. I, I, I'm like dying. It's so much fun. So, and there's a little bit of space in here too. It's just, really hard to define because there's well, now I have to get Hulu and check it out. You have to. You do the free trial if you if you are um have haven't signed up for Hulu before, do the free trial and just mainline it. <laughs> it, it they're twenty five minutes per episode. There's three seasons and it's it's so worth it. It's 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 really hard to define because not only is there this whole regular thing with the toy company, but there's also these little skits in between, and then there's cartoons. It's just crazy. So yeah, cool. yeah. How tiny plastic men? Go watch it. Those Canadians. I, it's funny though. I think there's like more American actors in this. There, it's on Canadian TV, but I don't know. It's weird. Um, so, iZombie, I've not watched the whole episode. I'm a horrible person this week. <laughs> but I'm kind of, like, holding off, too, because even though I'm behind on it and, and due to craziness, I'm sort of, like, relishing it because I know I think there's only, like, what, one or two more episodes this season? Next week is the season finale. Yeah. Oh, God. I don't oh. want to end. It's so good. So, well, Eric, you go ahead and do a recap. Well, I, I won't give any give away anything that you haven't seen yet. Um, I loved that the beginning was like I know what you did last summer. Exactly, and I told you the girl- and they referenced it. Yeah, so. and they totally and they they also the fact that um, the the girl I was telling you before we started recording the girl looks like trash from Return of the Living Dead. That's the mm-hmm. drummer in the band. Right. I, I I was like dying. I was like, if she becomes a zombie. That's going to be awesome. I I thought it would be hilarious if the dialogue had been exactly the dialogue from I Know What You Did Last Summer. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't do that. They wrote enough stuff. The thing uh, that stood out to me about this episode was it was such a mix of funny and dark. Oh, yeah, with like... Um, uh, Marshall recording the I'm gonna if you're watching this I'm dead video. Right. Oh my god. But, <laughs> like the conversation between Major and, and Ravi was hilarious and uh Liv's behavior when she downed the diff- two different brains was hilarious. But in between all of that there was some really, really serious stuff going on and stuff I can't mention because you haven't seen the end of it yet. <laughs> but it was uh a really odd mix. Well, that's what um, that show's good about because it is got its funny moments, but at the end of the day, her life has been ruined and she's dead. Yeah. I mean that, and, and her, and she's surrounded by death all the time. And, uh, it can't be fun losing who you are to survive by eating brains of people and losing who you are. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's why that show's so good. It it can do the balancing act, but at its heart, it's a tragedy. It oh, and well, after last week's episode, ah, uh, everything is yeah, which we didn't get to talk about. No, I know. Go ahead, and, you're doing well, the recap. <laughs> well, last week's episode was so tragic because you think now you've seen last week's, right? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, I mean, you think she was able to confess to Major. Right. And that he was accepting of it. 
And then you find out that it was all in her head. Yeah, because she was crazy. And I had to go back and pick the point. I'm like, all right, wait, which point was it where he was really there and then where he wasn't there anymore? I don't think he was there ever. No, he he was there when the four of them were there. Because oh, the other when two they were did. Eating, when they were doing the date, the double when date. When he left, he said, it's fine, I'm going to go home. And then, But when he came back and said, you know what, I kind of creeped out. Whatever he said, that's when I don't want to go home. That's when it was in her head. That it, I had sense. to think about it and go, yeah, I think that's where she started hallucinating him. Yeah, that's um, so sad. And I love the guy. I'm sorry, I can't think of his, his name, but the guy that played the weatherman. Oh, um, he was so great. He's recurring on, or was recurring on Veronica Mars, and I loved him on Veronica <laughs> Mars. So, of course, you know, Rob Thomas had to bring him back for this. So that's, he was fantastic. That's right. That's right. He was on Veronica Mars. God, I need to rewatch that again, too. But it was so, last week's was so tragic to me because you think she's confessed, he's accepted. And then, of course, at the end, she realizes it was all in her head, and he gives her the whole, I'm gonna zombies kill are real, I'm going to kill them all. Well, and you can probably expect next week for the finale it, that something major, not no no pun intended, no pun intended, no pun intended is going to happen because it's written by Rob Thomas and it's called Blaine's World. I so Blaine. And oh, oh Blaine, <laughs> why are you such a bastard, you pretty thing? Um, but yeah, Rob Thomas himself actually wrote it. Uh, so, and he wrote the, he's written a couple of episodes this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, most notably, he wrote the uh, pilot right. and directed it too. Um, but he's not, he co, I think he did the story for one other one, but this is the only other one that he wrote. And uh, so, yeah. And that's why I'm kind of like holding off on watching it. Cause oh, so much I want to talk to you about. Arr! No, Damn I got to savor it. All right. Um, so, some major God, I keep saying the word major. Now it's in my head. <laughs> um, so big news in the land of Star Wars. Um, I don't know if if Eric has seen this yet, um, but as we know, Disney took over um, the Star Wars franchise and basically said all the stuff before now, the the supposed like expanded universe is not canon. Everything we're going to do in the Marvel comics now that we're producing is canon. Mm-hmm. So they just threw a big old bomb, according to everybody that um, has seen this. This is a major, major deal with Star Wars. And that is... If it is what I think it is, I did not look at any details. I only know the headline. Okay. Do you want to know what it is? Yes. I'm going to tell you. Yeah. Uh, Han Solo was married. Yeah, that's what I... That was the headline I saw. I don't know any details. She's a cat girl. Nice. She looks like a cat. And this one picture that I've seen, she looks like a cat woman with dreadlocks. And um It's Space Tigra. She she looks very pretty, but she almost looks like a cat. And I don't know if it's just a bad angle or what. She's gorgeous. Um, but she actually is confronting Han with Leia. And uh <laughs> her name is Sana Solo. And okay. Uh, Leia's like wife and Khan is holding his head going oh no and she's asking Leia now who in the hell might you be lady so this is a this is a big deal because how long was he married and when was he married in the universe you know so mm-hmm. yeah that's sort of sort of a big deal um, and it means she's a canon character yeah I like that and that's a that's a major change. Um, so yeah, that's that's some big news in the in the world of Star Wars right now. Well, you know what I would love to see now that they're sort of they've wiped the slate clean as far as all the novels and the old comic books and stuff. Return Han Solo to the sort of bastard character that he was. I would love that. You I know, because Han was always a bastard. He was a rogue. He was a, a bad guy, not a horrible guy, but a bad guy. Well, he was definitely a gray character. He he did not, yes. yeah. And even though he was redeemedish in the in the series, there's a reason that Jabba wanted his head. There's a reason he had all these people after him. Yeah. So he was and not, I, yeah. I just think his, and I'm sure most people 
thing, everyone I've talked to thinks, you know, because of the popularity of the character, they toned down that part of his background. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, and they wanted him to be heroic for kids and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's kind of like what they did. You know, they definitely based the the Starbuck character in um, Battlestar <laughs> <Yes>. Galactica after <laughs> off of him. There was no way they did not do that. Um, but uh, let's move on to TV right now. And um, there's a couple of things um, before we get into movie news. But one that I found really interesting is that Elementary, which I've watched on and off. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not the biggest fan of it. I don't like some of the things they do with the Sherlock character. Um, but this is interesting. They're actually getting some pretty heavy hitters when it comes to, to actors in the show. And they've just added another one. And I'm, I'm assuming then that this means he is not coming back to Sleepy Hollow. And that is John Noble is going, oh, nice. to, is going to be a regular on Elementary as Sherlock's father. I kind of figured that's where it was going. Yeah. So uh, they, they've officially announced him and he's going to be a regular. So he will not be coming back to to uh, to Sleepy Hollow anytime soon, as far as I can tell. With that, um, I like Elementary. I watched all of the first season. I started watching the second, and I can't remember why. I probably just work or something got in the way, and I fell out of watching it. Um, so I do want to catch up because uh, I, I actually enjoy. I I think of it as like an alternate universe version. Yeah, I mean, that's oh, Sherlock. How, that's how I view it, because I really didn't like what they did with Moriarty. Oh, um, see, I loved what they did with I, It's a disservice to two really great characters to do that. I, I That's what I was saying. I was arguing with, um, with Rachel when she was on the show about it. But to me, you've got the original stories. You've got the... Uh, you've got Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch. I like to see... Uh, of course, I'm a huge, huge fan of any type of alternate universe storytelling. So I like the Elseworlds and What If from Marvel and DC, although I just said that backwards. Uh, <laughs> I liked the the noir books that Marvel did. So I love this, and I really thought it was great, a great twist on the character and what happened with Irene Adler and who Moriarty was. I liked it. Yeah, it's not canon, and it's it's way out of bounds. But I can always go back and read the originals or watch yeah, Sherlock I, or the old movies. That's I, me. I know, I know. And, <laughs> and that's fine. And I may end up going back and watching the show again and, and getting caught up because of they just really do have a lot of good actors in it, including um, uh, Sean Pertwee was in there. So well, You know, um, I can never remember his name, but it's the guy that – Played the lizard, I believe, in Amazing Spider-Man. Rice Iphens. Uh, plays. Yeah, uh, Mycroft. Yeah, Rice Iphens. I thought Sean Pertwee was in there too. Was I on crack when I said that? He may be in there somewhere, but I it's. I thought he was in an episode. I may be on. on I may get in. Be getting him confused with Rice Iphens. But he plays Rice. However you say his name, he plays uh, Sherlock's but, brother. I'm probably butchering it, but yeah, that that was one of them too that I knew was in it. And they um, they also had uh, S- Scott Cohen in an episode, and mm-hmm. I actually actually bought that one specifically to see him in it. Um, <laughs> but moving on to another um, series that I this is great. I'm really excited about this. Um, the X Files revival just cast a new character, and. <laughs> And I'm, I'm dying because I really, really wanted – he's so awesome. Joe McHale is going to be on the X-Files revival as an um, unwilling partner to uh, Fox Mulder. And he's playing a um, – this should be interesting to see him do. He's a conservative internet news anchor. Interesting. Named Tad O'Malley. And I thought it was named a Thoraxis. I was. That's my joke. That's my joke. <laughs> um, but he's going to be in it. And, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see who else they get for this. Because I know um, the Cummings back, Pelleggi's back, William B. Davis is back, which is interesting because didn't he die in the finale? They blew him up. You know, I stopped watching it um, a couple before the last season or two. And the last, so I don't know. I think the last episode, I think he blows up in some weird explosion thing that happened. I know they, they killed everybody. Like they killed the lone gunman. There'll be a clone. They killed the lone gunman. They killed Crycheck. Um, they killed off 
like everybody that was I liked. Um, so Duchovny's but, gonna wake in the first episode. Duchovny's gonna wake up, find cigarette Scully smoking in the shower. man in his shower, <laughs> and the whole last season was a dream. <laughs> Oh, Dallas, you'll never die. <laughs> um, the other thing, uh, so let's move on to some movie news and some sort of movie news. Uh, they, they just announced today, it was a big, big announcement, is the fact that James Wan is going to be directing Aquaman. Is this official? It's official. All right. He is officially going to be directing Aquaman. And I find that really awesome because he's managed to like touch upon every genre in the last... 15 years, 20 years, um, some of the biggest genre hits ever. Like he did Saw, he did Fast 7, which even if you mock and ridicule that franchise, it's still my crack, um, <laughs> my, my private shame porn. Um, it, it is still the, one of the biggest grossing action films of all time. It, you can't fault it. it. It is, in fact, that. And uh, so I find it a good match for this. And also, he's supposed to be directing the live-action Robotech as well. Nice. So he's going to be busy, little dude. Um, Aquaman's scheduled for 2018. He's still supposed to be cameoing in Batman versus Superman. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But he, um, 2018 is the date for Aquaman. And I'm not sure when... Uh, Robotech is going to hit. That's probably going to be a while out yet because they have to do all those visual effects for that movie. Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, other big news. Um, Sam Jackson just confirmed that he is not in Captain America 3. Interesting. And he's sort of surprised by that, too. Uh, he's actually going through contract negotiations, though, with Marvel, which he's, I'm sure will not be a problem. But, uh, yeah, he is not actually in Cap 3, which I find really interesting. Well, that's one of 800 characters that won't be in that movie. Yeah, um, kind of kind of uh, piggybacking on that. Uh, there's still more talk about who Martin Freeman is actually playing. we kind of got the Sherlock thing going on right now. Mm -hmm. um, the big thing, a lot of people are just assuming he's going to be playing is Edward Chase, the Prime Minister of England. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason a lot of people think that, too, is someone pointed out on Cinema Blend that while he's on the um, – when Andy Serkis' character is on the phone um, uh, with someone, right. he actually says, is there anything else prime minister um, or minister when he's on the phone with this person talking about an mm -hmm. arms deal? So that's more um, – uh, when Ulysses is talking on the phone, they're thinking – um, that's a kind of a hint that that's who he's talking to. Right. Uh, so I'm, I, I'm still curious to see what happens with Martin Freeman. I, I find it funny that Cumberbatch can't go into another movie <laughs> series without him. It's kind of like payback for him following him into the Hobbit, I guess. The <laughs> um, so the other thing though, speaking of the hundred million characters that are going to be <laughs> in Captain America, it's it's kind of ridiculous at this point, but um, the big one is they just there's very serious big hints that there is going to be some Red Hulk. Action. That would be sweet. They're talking about the Thunderbolts actually being in Civil War, and uh, I I would I would probably need a couple towels for that. I uh, would love to see the original Thunderbolts in something. Well, they're actually saying that um, William Hurt is coming back. They're bringing him in to this um, as Thunderbolt Ross. And um, a lot of people are, are really thinking that Red Hulk's going to be there. So I would really dig that. I would love that stuff. It just makes me happy. Uh, so, yeah, the fact that he's coming in and you've got um, – he's probably going to be on the side of making all these people register – of course. Um, you know, so after that Hulkbuster fight that we got, which was awesome. Yes, it was. <laughs> Happy place. Go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. Go uh, um, so <laughs> that, was, that was the best part of the movie. <laughs> I forgot about that. See, I only got to see Avengers once. I need to go back. I, I, I haven't gotten to go again. I have no time. <laughs> um, 
so uh yeah that would be awesome to see that happen and uh there's some hints going around that that's what they're going to do i don't know how they're going to fit this all in one movie though i know i know, I know civil war is one there's two parts to it but jesus I, are there two parts i think civil war is broken out into two films isn't it not that I've heard. The only two-parter I've heard of is the Infinity War. I know, but I thought Civil War was going to be stretched over to two. Because at this point, with all their... I mean, they've got Black Panther in there. They're, they're supposedly Spider-Man's going to show up. Um, they're going to, you know, they're going to probably drag in um, uh, Doctor Strange in there, too. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they're going to fit it. And, I and, I, and that, you know, Avengers Ultron, Ultron actually broke Joss Whedon. It broke him. <laughs> he, he is no longer whole. It, it destroyed him. <laughs> so I guess that makes sense that they have two guys directing this. The Russo yes, brothers. Yeah, I, I, I mean, they probably learned their lesson when they saw Joust, like, in fetal position, crying a little. Um, yeah, we probably need more than one director. Um, so this is the, the, uh, the news that I don't know if Eric has heard about, which may make him cry a little in happiness. Are we talking about Doctor Strange now? Mm-mm. No, oh. we're talking right. about we're talking about something that I think is hinting heavily at a thing called Midnight Suns. Nice, and that is um, Marvel. They're big on their phases, mm-hmm. and they have their Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase One, Phase Two, blah blah. Uh, now they're talking about their next Netflix phases. That's I've heard people talking about that and hoping that's what phase two would be. Yeah, Netflix phase two, um, because they've actually hinted at um, the second season of Daredevil is going to have the Punisher show mm-hmm. up um, and a couple other characters. But now they're talking that Blade and, um, let's see, who else was it? Blade, Ghost Rider. Mm-hmm. And there was one other. I'm trying to remember who it Moon was. Knight? Moon Knight? Moon Knight? <laughs> I don't think it's going to be Moon Knight. Oh. oh, sorry. The Punisher. The Punisher having his own series. Now, when you have Blade and Ghost Rider, mm-hmm. that that screams to me Midnight Suns. And you, then can they get Ryan Reynolds to reprise his role as Hannibal King? I doubt that. <laughs> I, I Seriously, I think he's busy doing something else right now. Um, ah. But I, I want... Morbius in this. Morbius, yeah. I want him. The living vampire. I want him bad. (laughs) I want him so bad. He deserves his rightful place in this universe. I can't, I'm not getting my eye vampire. My Andrew Bennett isn't happening anytime soon. And I think that's a, that's a just failure on DC's part. But if you have a character like Morbius who could, who belongs in all of this and is such a neat character and such a tragic character, you should do it. You know, you want to know what would do me in. It'd do me in is if with they all did, of this. If they did Tomb of Dracula, I'd, I'd just freaking go out. I was just going to say if they had the Marvel version of Dracula. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> my head would explode. That would be so awesome. <laughs> I'm chewing on my own fist. Um, yeah. I don't know who could play that, though, now. I, I'm, I'm trying to think who could do, do justice to the Tomb of Dracula, Dracula. Not this long, white-haired dude that they've got going on in the, in the, in the comics right now. I'm talking about old-school Tomb of Dracula. Yeah. Taken on Blade and just looking like freaking Jack Palance with his little mustache and kicking butt. <laughs> That's my Dracula in Marvel. Midnight Suns would be awesome. Oh, God. Frank Drake. You get Frank Drake in there and, and oh, 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 it needs to happen. They'd be, and you know what sucks is, though, I love the Blade TV series. We only got one season of it and it was so good. And Sticky Fingers did a great job playing him. And there was so many good characters. Um, and the, the guy who's in uh, playing the non-decapitated version of the Headless Horseman, um, I can't, I'm, I'm blanking on his name right now, but he played the best vampire in it. And he was the lead bad guy. And he did phenomenal in that role. And it, I can't believe FX just, it was, was it Spike? It was Spike. Spike did it. Uh- I think it was Spike. I never saw it, 
Um, oh, I'm so good. gonna alienate a ton of people and say I like Blade Three or Blade Trinity, oh. the actual name. Um, uh, Wesley Snipes was horrible in it. Everybody was horrible, but Ryan Reynolds. I thought Ryan Reynolds was great. Ryan Reynolds. Was um, great. I thought Parker Posey was chewing the scenery, but I enjoyed watching her do it. And even Dominic Purcell. Oh God, no! I thought was no. okay. No, <laughs> he was not Dracula, and that was who no, he was supposed to be, and he was horrible. But Pat Oswalt, you know. The thing that kills me about Blade Three was the fact that if you go back and watch Blade Two, I think mm-hmm. it was, um, on the extras, they have this scene where he sees this figure standing in the distance, and he's like, "Who is that?" And it turns out that was supposed to be Morbius. Oh, and they had they were supposed to have him in the third movie, and then instead we got whatever. But I, I've only watched the one time in the theater, and I refuse to see it again. Um, I'm entertained by it, <laughs> and I will watch it for Ryan Reynolds' performance alone. But he's basically just Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> exactly, and I love that man. That's why I'm like, what's why Deadpool's perfect? He's oh, gonna be so awesome. But yeah, I I. Just him as whatever Drake or whatever his name was. Oh, God, I wanted to kill him. Because oh. <laughs> I knew I knew what could have been and what we got. And I'm sorry, Jessica Bill putting in her stupid headphones to fight. Because, you know, we you don't want to hear anything when you're fighting vampires. Kind of like you don't want to see anything when you're fighting vampires? Yes. We won't get into that. <laughs> don't even, don't. Even oh my god, um, so anyway, that yes. is our that is our week geek. Uh, Eric, did you have anything to add? Uh, no, I don't think I do. Okay, well, let's go ahead and get into our interview with our special guest Lee Winnell. I I was so happy to get to talk to him about um, Cody's. It was it's such a good movie, and when you get a chance to see it, please do. Um, it should be out later this this actual summer. And uh, it's got a phenomenal cast, uh, including Rain Wilson, Elijah Wood, who we'll have next week, and Lee, just, oh, and Jorge Garcia from Lost is in it. Mm-hmm. It's just a great cast, great film. Uh, you're going to absolutely love it. And um, we have fun on this interview. It was a great time. And uh, he was on his way to the airport. So I called him while he was on his way to the airport. Uh, and nice. uh, yeah, it was funny. It was so funny. He's like, I, I have 20 minutes. So, okay. So here we go with Lee Winnell. Thank you for listening. And um, um, next week we will have uh, Elijah Wood. And we will see you next week on Fangirl Radio. First off, what made this idea come to you? And how much influence did movies from Troma have into it? And Shaun of the Dead and, or The Children even? Because I got a, a heavy Troma influence on here. Yeah, that's interesting, because we didn't really have a trauma influence, but a couple of people have pointed it out, so I guess it must be in that spirit, you know, of that of trauma, you know, where it's just funny in a car, but it has a really ridiculous bent to it. Um, but, um, but actually, the whole thing came about because uh, I was told by a friend of mine about the idea um, the original idea came from Josh Waller, who is one of the SpectraVision guys. Mm-hmm. And he had started a horror film production company with Elijah Wood and Daniel Noah. And it was the three of them. At the time, they were called The Woodshed. And, you know, like everyone else and their dog in L.A., they had an idea to make movies. You know, <laughs> you print up some business cards and you call yourself a producer. No one can tell you you're lying. Um... And so one of the ideas that they had was for Cootie. And I had a mutual friend. This is a guy who knew Elijah Wood and Josh. And I was chatting to him one day and he said, oh, I've got this friend who's got this great idea for a film. It's about a, a virus that only affects kids. And it's called Cootie. <laughs> and I just froze. I was staring at him. And, you know, I, I get a lot offered a lot of different scripts things to write in my day-to-day life, and I usually say no. I, I usually like to create things from the ground up. That's just the way I am. I love the, the ownership of 
creating something yourself as opposed to, you know, rewriting someone else's script or adapting a graphic novel. Not to say I wouldn't do that one day, but I definitely have learned heavily thus far on writing my own stuff. Right. And when I was told this idea, it just hit me instantly. To quote Marlon Brando's character from Apocalypse Now, it was like a diamond bullet. And I, uh, I looked at Ryan, my friend, and I said, I want to write that film. Set me up with that guy. And so I went out to dinner with Elijah and Josh and Daniel, and I sat down with them and said, I love this cooties idea, I want to do it. And at some point in the conversation, I said, oh, this is going to be such a hilarious film. And they kind of all looked at me. <laughs> and Josh said, well, it's a horror movie. Why would it be funny? And I looked at them with the same look they were giving me and said, guys, it's called Cooties. You cannot have a serious movie with the title Cooties. <laughs> and eventually I convinced them that it should be a horror comedy, not a horror film. And thankfully they relented. And I asked my friend Ian Brennan, who's the creator of Glee, to co-write it with me and he agreed and I'm so happy about that because he's such a great guy and he's hilarious and he's a great friend of mine but we had a good time writing and zero stress or tension. Sometimes <laughs> when you co-write with someone there can be fights and arguments. It was nothing like that with Ian and I just had a good time writing it and now say la vie, now it exists and you've seen it so I'm really happy. That's awesome. And and one of the things I wanted to ask you, because you kind of flip it, the, the whole concept on the head, like you're, you're going into this thinking that it's going to be Elijah's sort of the hero of the piece. And, and at the end, it's it's really not Elijah that's the hero. Um, you, and that whole relationship quotient gets kind of flipped as well. Did you write histories for these characters, and and what kind of led you to 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 do this different route? Because the hero of the piece isn't the typical heroic type. Right, exactly. Yeah, we we did write histories of the characters. Uh, when Ian and I started off, we would just sit in the room. We would actually sit in his office at Paramount, and I probably shouldn't be saying this publicly because Paramount will want to know, or Fox will want to know why. I'll cut that out. <laughs> writing duties when he should have been writing episodes of sleep. But we would sit there and we had a big whiteboard in his office and we would write down the names of the characters and we just let it percolate. That's one of the great things about the early days of writing a script. You know, when you deep into it, that's when you're doing the trench work. It's just brutal. You're writing, you don't have to get to the end, you're going to pull your hair out and you're just dying. But in the beginning, it's kind of fun. And I'm usually doing that on my own, but, but this was a new thing for me and a lot of fun to be sitting in a room with someone else just throwing ideas back and forth. We basically just tried to make each other laugh. <laughs> and we came up with the, the past ideas, you know, who was who and what they were like. And and uh, once we had the whiteboard filled with our chicken scroll, uh, pardon the pun, we, we kind of sat back and then started drawing a map of the journey of the movie, almost like a graph. We say, okay, if they start here, they move here. And we kind of illustrated each character's art with a line. And I thought it was interesting to flip these characters. You know, they start out kind of soft, or at least some people might feel that way. You know, you've got the conservative update feature, you've got the ex-job who's failed, you've got the uh, socially inept Asperger's guy, you know, you've got this wannabe writer who's lived in New York. But maybe you think you know who these people are. What we liked was, what we wanted as well, was to have a film where by the end you had reversed your initial impression and you realize that you had the wrong idea about some people and that the, you know, sadistic, you know, obnoxious jock guy was actually a nice guy who was very insecure. I mean, that, I love doing that. I had just written a film with another friend of mine called The Mule where we did that. We kind of opened these characters up and 
tore them apart to see who they really are underneath. Everybody has this mask that they wear, and then they have then they have the, the jitters underneath. You know what's really going on, and, and people are like that in real life. You know, this happens all the time to me and and to you and to everyone else. But you meet somebody maybe at a party, it's a friend of a friend, and you have a really bad first impression. This happens to me all the time because I'm such a judgmental freak. <laughs> but uh, I'll meet someone and go, God, I hate that person. And then over time, you get to know them, or maybe you're at another party and you sit down with them, and you walk away saying, oh, you know, so-and-so's actually good. You, you, you get the wrong impression about people. It just happens to me so much in my daily life. Um, and so that's really what I wanted for foodie. And, and it came off really well. And, and I know before I hit record, we were talking about Doug. And I'm just curious what kind of his, the, the poor guy, what history did you, what kind of secret history, because we know he had like a head injury of some sort, like I believe it was. Yeah, he had a, he, had a, he was hit in the head with a long dart as a child, <laughs> and it lodged in his brain and kind of, it caused um, non-specific damage, where he, he sometimes uses the wrong word, he has no idea how to interact with people, and I think that he probably has thought about killing people, even if he hasn't. <laughs> There's a little bit of Jeffrey Dahmer in there. That's not enough that he's actually going to act on it. Um, he just doesn't know how to interact with people. And what's interesting is this outbreak of this food virus. It's the first time he's able to step up and be confident. You know, people are sitting around talking about last night's episode of Game of Thrones. He's not sure what to say. But if you're talking about a transmittable virus, that only affects the pretty person, he can talk for hours. I mean, it's, it's what he's into. And so I, I like that idea as well of having a character that finally gets to step into step up, you know, and be a part of it. So what what did, was that actually on your hands when you were saying you'd just gone through all of his fluids? Uh, it, it was a mixture of bean soup and food dye. You know, it was edible, you know. It was the first thing you could eat, but it was looked disgusting enough. Um, <laughs> and that was a fun thing to play. I mean, everyone in the film, all the other actors, I was kind of in awe of them because they're such comedic geniuses, not only with improv, but with, with turning a scripted line into something that's much funnier than you had anticipated. So I felt un- unqualified to be acting in a film with it. So... As the shoot went on, I started getting more and more relaxed, and I saw how they're just into playing. You know, they're not harsh people who judge you for throwing out an improv that doesn't work. That's their that's their bread and butter, throwing out lines that don't work and trying another one, and trying another one. You know, and so I started to really, really enjoy myself, and I I, um, I owe it to them, you know, for making me feel comfortable and and well, in kind of leaping off of that, I mean, the cast was so great. And I know that Elijah is a horror fan. You're obviously a horror fan. And I know Rain Wilson, I believe, is as well. How did how did this cast come together? Because you guys played off each other really well. It was, it was quick and it was slow. The, the, there was a bit of a rush to shoot the film. And it was it was interesting because we had no time, and yet we needed time to really pick the people that are right for their roles. I mean, this is a film where a bunch of people spend a lot of time in one or two rooms. As you know, these locked room films top of my head I can think of something like Justine or even Aliens where it's a group of people stuck in a situation where they're being attacked by outside forces. That's the that's the subgenre we put this film in. And so you really need to measure that. You know, you can't just grab a bunch of random people and hope the chemistry works. It, it, it's science. And so 
I think we, we we really lucked out because it was it was kind of a hurry to find people. But Rain Wilson, once he came on board, then we got Nassim Pedrad, uh, Ian actually knew Jack McBrayer. So it was sort of these various sources and everybody told me that they really signed up just for the script. They read the script, they thought it was funny. So it was a real affirmation for Ian and I that we had we'd done our jobs because people were really it wasn't about the money or the timing, it was really about the response to the script. So when I look back, I just feel like the cast is so well suited to each other. But it, it, it could have gone the other way. Maybe we could have cast some actors that didn't like each other or didn't work as well together. But I remember the first table read at my house. We had a table read and we all sat down and no one ever met each other. Now we're sitting in my dining room around this long table and I'm thinking, God, how is this going to go? <laughs> And sure enough, it went really well. Once the ice was broken, I think there was a kid there who was playing one of the pretty kids. He cracked, cracked everyone up. And once everyone laughed, it was suddenly like, oh, it's on. And everyone just took the clothes off. And by the end of the table read, we were all just losing it, laughing. That's um, great. So, yeah, it was, it was uh, you know, one, another happy accident. It happens in film sometimes. So... There's two kind of a two part question, um, because like you said, this was one of those movies where you guys were um, basically you're stuck in one scene in one confined space for a long time. What was kind of the challenge of of filming like that, and also how was it to work with the kids as well in in that environment? The kids were great. Like the kids that we had with us all the time, um, the two the two kids that were with us, they were just so fun and they weren't little adults. A lot of times you get this thing where kids who've acted in movies, they they grow up too quickly and they're kind of precocious. But these kids were just sweet and great. And uh, it was fun to mix it up with them, you know? Like, they just have a whole different approach. And, and they were the bad guys in this movie and I really think they enjoyed that, maybe a little too much. <laughs> they just enjoyed, enjoyed being the bad guys. Usually they're the ones that, who are afraid, now they're the source of fear and we're the ones who are terrified. So it was just uh, another reason why making the film was really, really fun. I mean, it was right in the middle of summer. We were shooting at a school that was five minutes from my house. I mean, it couldn't have been more fun. I, I really look at the film as kind of a summer camp. It was just really fun with great people. That's awesome. So I, I know I'm probably going to lose you here in, in a couple uh, minutes, but... I had to ask, was there any idea that you had that you, you realized was pushing it too far and you decided not to do? Like, the one that stuck out in my head was when I was watching it was the attack of the mom in, in the minivan. I'm thinking, oh my right. God, they're going to infect the baby. Yes. I, I, was, I mean, look, we did have a, a sort of set of guidelines with it that we didn't want to betray. You know, we didn't want any guns, you know, no guns. Obviously, that would have been in poor taste. Um, we, we we had a couple of things. It was, it's, it's kind of a, uh, uh, it's a line, but it's not a clear, hard line. It's it's sort of an opaque line. You, 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 you can measure it as you go. So as you're making the film, you do one thing. Then you get in the edit room and you go, okay, is that too far? Usually by the end, you cut the film you wanted. And there were questions. I was a big sort of question. I would often say, are we going too far? Are we, is this too much? But the way people have responded, they've sort of answered the question for us. Nobody has really said to us, oh, I thought the film was disgusting or I thought that this scene crossed the line. So I, I feel comfortable with the film we have. I feel comfortable with it, you know, um, there were certain things that didn't make the cut that maybe would have pushed it over, but, but um, you know, you, you, you know, this is what art is. You're, you're sort of measuring yourself against the rest of society, and then society tells you exactly where you've landed. So I'm, I'm happy with where we are. Well, and I got to tell you, I, you, you mentioned guns, and I, I didn't even think about any of that until just now because your movie was so much. The movie was so much fun, and. I I didn't think about any of that. You you caught my attention with the movie, and I didn't even put that in there. I just was thinking. Oh, wow. I was just thinking. Wow, a, a cootie riddled baby would be 
effed up. I mean, <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, I mean that scene. You know, you, you, I, I, sort of like we hint at it, but we don't go all the way. So, and there's much thicker things out there, like who can kill a child, or you know, then there's some really crazy stuff. But even I, personally, uh, am not cool with you know certain films that I've heard about or seen parts of, and I'll say, oh, you know, that's not for me. It's not that I believe it should be censored or shouldn't exist. It's just not for me. Self-censorship is always the best thing. If you think something's tasteless and you don't like it, just don't watch it. Yeah. Don't try and take it away from the rest of society unless you think it's genuinely harmful. I mean, a recruiting video for neo-Nazis is something that I might might say, well, this could be banned. This is not something that, that... should be seen by people. It's a, it's a, um, it's a virus. It's a, it, it's something that will criminalise somebody. But a movie like a Serbian film is something that I personally don't want to watch. Particularly that that doesn't mean other people can't watch it or that it shouldn't have the right to exist. Um, so, so you know, I, with Cooties, we're making a comedy. We had to keep that in mind. It's not a horror film. That's trying to tear strips off people or, or, you know, shake up their uh, sensibilities about what what is too much. I mean, it's, to me, it's very much a pretty wacky comedy with far out character, so I've got to keep that in mind when thinking about the movie. If you had a scene that was just really, really gory, I think it would throw the film off balance because you'd be like, well, wait a minute, for 90% of the time, it's Shaun of the Dead, and then all of a sudden you've got this scene that's straight out of... Uh, cannibal holocaust it's weird <laughs> so you know you it, it, it all comes down to you and how you uh measure out the movie yeah oh yeah no i and i think you guys balanced it perfectly it was it was just so much fun and i have uh, i know people on facebook and and twitter that i i follow that are just they hate me because i've seen it and I'm like, so, oh, I'm so sorry. I had to. I had to see it first. But uh, I, I absolutely loved it. And and I have to ask if you guys do a sequel um, to it. Are you willing to come back? Because and because I love Doug. I got to tell you, you, you won my heart with Doug. I just I can't even. Would you be willing to come back for a sequel? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I always say a sequel is a champagne problem that only comes about if the first film does well. 